Okay, welcome to Rogue Bogues In Conversation series. We have a very special guest, a guy I've seen on TV a few times, and one kind of out of the ordinary for this podcast anyway, but we want, want to get different people from different walks of life. Paul DiMatina, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. Now, real quick, we'll get into your, your previous life, former AFL player. Father was a, an AFL player uh, for Richmond and North Melbourne. You played 131 games for the, the Western Bulldogs. Was it the obvious reason why he played AFL because of, because of pops or? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I don't know. My grandfather, when he moved out from Italy in 1922, he fell in love with AFL football, fell in love with horse racing, and fell in love with Melbourne generally. Um, and they lived in Richmond, and my father uh, was a Richmond supporter, and then was lucky enough to play for Richmond. I originally got drafted as a father son to Richmond, and uh, then John Northey sacked me. Uh, not long after my 18th birthday, so uh, that was a, obviously a bit Good of a present. bit of bit of a, bl- bit of blow at the time. But then fortunate enough to get picked up by the Western Bulldogs and had ten fabulous fun years there. Yep. Yeah. And then I guess was your family always involved in restaurants at that point while you were playing? Absolutely. Yeah. I studied hospitality at William Anglis yep. in the city, and um, I've always had a passion for food, wine, and and the actual you know the hospitality industry and restaurants particularly so something i've always enjoyed doing yeah and i guess the um being a fellow wog it's that it's that kind of wog upbringing yeah. background everything's surrounded around food and coffee yeah. and wine and drinks and it's kind of where everything everything yeah. comes together right? i assume much much 100%. similar to you our wogs we love family and food and that's you know we're no different from any other you know sort of european family yep and, and where did you grow up in melbourne we grew up originally uh, north Baldwin. Um, and then from there we lived in Templestowe and I went to school at Marshland College so a lot of great AFL footballers come out of there Those um, we always have a bit of a laugh because there's not many good AFL players that come out of Marshlands didn't have a, a vowel on the end of their name so there was you know, <laughs> Lee Montagna, Steve yep. Silvani and I think that we had one Aussie, Gavin Brown there wasn't many that come out that uh, didn't you know that weren't um, from some sort of ethnic origin Yeah, so I guess growing up for you it was it was footy and hospitality, right? But did you did you ever ever figure that you'd well, number one make the AFL? Um, do you think it was that was kind of the path laid out for you because of your father, or did, were you more slated towards like oh, I am playing footy kind of socially and hospitality is uh, my thing, or was it a, a mix? It was of always work? football was always my number one uh, my number one thing that I wanted to do. Um, we're a really big sporting family. Had a couple of my cousins, uh, Michael and Christopher, played NBL basketball for Melbourne Tigers back in the old. NBL days and um, so we always used to follow them around it when it was Albert Park and different stadiums to what they're in now so we always uh, my cousin Michael then played cricket for Victoria um, it was just something in our family that the sport and the hospitality but for me football was probably my absolute number one I was quite quite a reasonably good junior cricketer but football was my calling and I sort of chose that path and then hospitality is just something that was always in the blood and something I enjoy doing and I thought you know I was reasonably good at and that's and your brothers are heavily involved as well yeah yeah from the start so how many, yeah. how, many, how many brothers i've got three brothers and a sister um my youngest brother and younger sister are now in the wellness game living in mullumbimby and oh yes, wow i know so they're uh got the good stuff up yeah, there they do absolutely and then my brother andrew played at collingwood and he's um involved running well we had a few restaurants on the gold coast yep, which was just reopened last year. little place called mateo's in clear island water so he still lives on the gold coast and my brother frank's here in melbourne and he's uh the chef at il gambero in ligon street so yep. And, yeah. and tell us about the other restaurants you have in Melbourne. Uh, we've sold everything now. The only one I've got left is Lamaro's in South Melbourne, where I'm sort of hands-on and actively involved, and uh, not far from where I live in Elwood. So it's just 
not too far from home and yeah, it's something that I enjoy doing. Got a great little great little business we've been able to build up there in the last few years. And did you get involved straight after kind of the end of your footy career or did you have yeah. that kind of, you know, most athletes, it's kind of like, what, what am I doing? I've got all this free yeah. time and, and you kind of struggle with it mentally sometimes as an athlete. Did you get straight into the restaurant? I got or? straight into hospitality, yeah. I was, uh, me and my brother Andrew and my father, we bought a, a couple of restaurants on the Gold Coast. I spent, I moved up there straight away. Had a young, um, I've got three kids, but my son was just born and, Moved up there just to sort of make a, it's a little bit of a change at the time and get the businesses up and going up there. So I spent two years on the Gold Coast and um, before moving back to Melbourne. And then I had a restaurant called Society in Burke Street for a long time. And then when I sold that, I uh, ended up taking over Lamaro's in South Melbourne, where I've been now for the last four and a bit years. And coffee too, yeah? Coffee, yeah. We were involved with Dimitina Coffee. So it was another little offshoot from my grandfather. I uh, was the founder of Mockapan Coffee. Yep. And when uh, the family sold that in, in the late 90s, a lot of the uh, my cousins, and uh, one by one, they started getting sacked by uh, the new owners of Mockapan. So they went and started Dimitina Coffee. So that's been uh, a Melbourne big. staple. Yeah, you see, it it, you see it everywhere. Yeah, it is. It's a great little sort of iconic uh, brand and locally roasted and, you know, a very hands-on family sort of business, which is uh, something we've always, I suppose, prided proud, ourselves on in the, in the Dimitina family. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, you know, we wanted to just humanise a little bit your story and who you are and your background for people that aren't familiar. We're, we're a lot of random listeners from the US and all over the world, uh, mainly because of the basketball, but they've, they've now transformed onto different parts of this podcast. I, I guess a main reason would be for getting you on is the last 18 months, um, obviously being in hospitality f before we get to the nitty gritty of everything going on in the state, I guess... Talk us through the last 18 months as someone who's heavily vested and been heavily vested as what, you know, your family, I'd say since you were a baby, you've been involved in something to do with hospitality even when you were playing football. What it's been like in the last 18 months running, running a small business in the hospitality sector? Oh, it's been a uh, nigh-on nightmare, not being able to um, run your business the way you'd like to, having uh, limited numbers. I think we've only been at maximum of... God, what is it? In the last 298 days, we've uh, we have never been at full capacity. So you know, trying How to run. How many do you see? How many do you see currently? We at Lamaras, I can see 140, uh, and the maximum we've ever been allowed to have. You know, with the the density rules and all the um, the limitations. You know, we've only ever really been allowed to have 70 at the most. So trying to run a business on limited numbers and everything else, it's just been a nightmare. Then obviously we had all the uh, well over well over 200 days we've had closed out of regular trade. You can do your takeaway and bottle shop and everything else and try to pivot your business but you know our core business is critical mass and people coming in inside the venue and eating drinking being convivial and having a bit of fun and unfortunately a lot of these uh a lot of these have been stripped from our you know all i suppose any freedom have been stripped from us lately so it's just really frustrating this last you know 18 months has been a really really hard time not just for hospitality but all small business where they you know i've got friends who own gyms the uh the beauticians hairdressers just not easy running a business with no revenue coming through the door. I was no doubt. Have you put the outdoor uh, car park seating in that yeah. we're seeing pop up all over the city? We did. We did that. And that, that worked quite well for us. But at the same time, bit. yeah, for a bit. We live in Melbourne, like, you know, four seasons in one day. So it, it's um, it's it's not an ideal situation. It can help. It helps with your capacity and getting some more bums on seats. But the reality is that it's not a sustainable way of running a business either, especially with all the uh, the elements you have to deal with. Wind, rain. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a comfortable hot. place to eat a steak absolutely. <laughs> or a palmer. No, not at all. That's for sure. And uh, Look, I've got a lot of friends in... I grew up in the working class suburbs. I cop, I cop shit on socials because of 
calling out all the hypocrisy with, with the government and whatnot. But I would say that as a kid growing up, I'd, my family would be screwed. Um, my dad was a mechanic. We'd be, I can only speak for myself. Um, yeah, I do, I'm doing well now. But if that was me now as a kid, we my dad wouldn't be in a central service. Like who's getting their car service during a pandemic, right? So that's why, you know, it's really a sticking point for me is that everyday people, the voiceless, right? And most people would say to you, I've got a, fr- I've got a friend that runs a cafe. I've got friends that run restaurants and, Oh mate, you're doing takeaway. You're fine, right? So I'm sure you're doing takeaway. But but for the people out there, explain why you're doing takeaway. I've got a lot of friends that are doing it. Basically, they're losing a little bit. Every they're not making money on it. They're doing it so they don't have to fire their staff. They're doing it so their staff still have a living, and they're they're losing money operating, right? And I'm sure your story is similar. It's not as simple as oh, look at the takeaway line. You're fine. You'll be right. And it's a means to an end. I mean, for for me, the same. We've got about 50 staff at Lamar's, and it's just trying to keep them in work and keep them upbeat and keep them uh, from climbing walls at home and going around the bend, I suppose. A lot of these, especially a lot of the casualised workforce, they don't live in fabulous houses or anything like that. They're in small apartments and a lot of people have been confined to these small, shitty little apartments and it's just, you know, just the mental mental health pandemic out there is worse than what is going on with the actual pandemic itself and, you know, how the government is so short-sighted at times and uh, some of their rhetoric and everything else, it's its always our fault. They always want to blame us Victorians for doing the wrong thing. You know, you never see them put their hand up to say that they've made some mistakes or that they could do things better. And they're, unfortunately, our government's a one-trick pony and they just keep putting these draconian rules on us. And even just what we saw this week, the fact that, you know, kids can't go to a playground and I, I, I just drove through the Albert Park Lake before, they've ripped down every basketball hoop. You know, my kids love playing basketball. They love kicking the footy with their friends or having a kick of the soccer ball and they can't do any of that. So... You know, I've got a son in year 12 and basically anything, any form of enjoyment has been taken out of their life. And I think they forget what they're actually doing to these kids and the damage they're doing to them mentally at the moment. Um, and especially with us, as I said, I, you know, with your staff, I take them on as family and you feel a sense of obligation for them and a sense of duty. And, you, you know, you want to keep them upbeat and making sure that they, they're earning some money so that they can survive. Especially in the hospitality industry because you find a good worker, a good wait, waitress, wait, uh, waiter, chef, they're worth their weight in gold because they're very hard to find. I know for a fact, especially small businesses, but especially the hospitality industry. So you want to support them. And the dangling carrot in front of you of like, just keep treading water. We're almost there. We're we're 18 months in. We are 18 months in and we need some certainty and some proper realistic um, pathways out and some, you know, some firm dates and stop threatening that even if we're at 70% vaccination, we'll still probably have lockdowns. You just, we've got to incentivize people having a vaccination and, you know, um, if that's our way out, then they've got to make sure that they, they stick strong with that and, and incentivise it rather than just telling people, you know, even if we're at 70%, I can't guarantee we're not going to lock you down. That's just the biggest kick in the guts for anyone to hear that, uh, especially a business person who we have no way forward. You want to plan. It's like, you know, no, when you, you do your basketball preseason, you plan for the season ahead, you do the hard work, you know, you get the results. At the moment, we can't plan anything. We can't. There's just no uh, everything's clouded, you know. I feel and you'd like be a, you'd be function orientated too. You'd be absolutely, a, a, you know, yeah. a big space like that, a hundred plus seats. Like, who's planning? Who's planning a wedding? Who's planning an engagement party? Who's planning a birthday party? No one. No. I've got mates that are just like, I'm not plan. I'm not planning anything. Can't plan anything anymore. It's just you know everything's clouded, and there you know there's uh, just a vision moving forward. We don't have a vision because we don't have a vision from our government with any clarity that allows us to plan for our businesses. Yeah, and we, we touch on the mental health. This this week, this very week, is the all-time high in calls to Lifeline. I find it very interesting because there's no little box on TV that has these numbers, um, but we see the case numbers every day. But 
this was a government that four or five years ago, not just, I mean, this isn't just the Victorian government rant, this is the national government is, there was a big push on mental health. Mental health is the, the, the I still remember the commercials. It's the, it's the yeah. dark killer, the one hiding in the dark and they're doing all these, all these commercials about how much they're incentivizing and funding mental health. We're not hearing anything about it anymore at all. Um, and that's that's a huge concern, not only for adults. For me, my, my push is why I'm fighting is for kids. Like, this is a this is a, um, a generation that's going to be severely affected. Not only now, not only their teenage years, but how do you how do you have a six year old in front of Zoom? How do you how do you have a nine year old in Sydney? I just I heard a story that removed the baskets, and a young kid named Omar was basically crying, saying like, "Why are they taking the baskets down?" So myself and Matthew Della Vadova have just donated. We bought him a whole basket unit was and he's got to deal with spalding so he's getting some basketballs i'm getting him a hoop but there's no document that i've read that you know um at where outdoor transmission has occurred I documented mean, well that's it and that's why this week's been just gobsmacking it's almost inhumane it's um i don't know as i said i, I refuse to let my kids watch dan or oh, they're all muppets weemer weena whatever he is he's probably got a little weena um that other bloke sutton's a muppet foley foley's just a an awful person. Um, they have no empathy. They have no compassion. They have a lack of just understanding of what people are going through. Um, and then, as you said, you know, you get, I suppose, like when you play football and you play basketball, some of the re- you know, some of the crap you hear that comes out of people's mouths, you know, for me, it used to go in one ear and out the other ear. And I suppose it's the same with you. And it's the same whether it's the online trolls. Now, for me, we know they're Dan bots. We know that it's all fabricated. And I just wish more people out there would understand what is going on with how many people Dan has in social media, how much they smash you, but it's just, it's all fabricated and it's fabricated from his bots that he's got working for him. So, you know, they're not real. So, and people just got to wake up to that as well. well. You're paying, you're paying for those people to abuse you. That's <laughs> yeah. the best part about it. Like oh. our, t- our taxes are paying for these people to come out and, and smash us. And, um, you know, and for me, it's most of the states are in the same position. I think Melbourne's Victoria's handled it the worst and the fear mongering, performances that he's putting together on today he just announced that there were people right back beach watching the sunset at 5 p.m yesterday and they got a mouthful he didn't deem it illegal but he went as far to say that that's ridiculous you're putting this in rye how many cases are in rye right now not, not very many zero and then you're, and, you're, you're outdoor exactly. you said about the outdoor transmission just the lack of balance and perspective about um the way they talk and and and, and the way they run things there's just none and as i said it just it's deflating at the moment. I think this lockdown more than any has left a lot of us just flat. Uh, I've seen it with my kids. I've got a son who's in year 12, daughter in year 11 and a daughter in year eight. So my one in year eight, she's missed pretty much all of year seven and now nearly all of year eight. So that's some formative years of secondary school where you're making some new friends and it's really hard. Yeah, you're not going to really get hard. it back. You're not going to yeah. get it back. And that's like you said, the forward thinking is they, they want to you know, have these, um, who is it? The, the Burnett Institute is that who does the modeling? I think uh, I can't even remember who it is, but one of the institutes does the, the, the virus modeling about this is what's going to happen if XYZ happens if we don't close now. No one's modeling what happens if little Jimmy misses the whole of year nine and he's locked in a house in front of a TV screen. No one's modeling that for 10 years. And it's hard to model either way. Um, put the numbers together. I mean, I'm sure we'll cop shit online for this saying, well, Dr. Bogut and Dr. DiMatino, are you guys epidemiologists? That's the go to for people. No, I'm yeah. not. 
but I'll tell you what I can read, common sense, and I can read numbers you put out. I'm, I'm, I'm conversed enough to say, hang on a second, like... I mean, there's, there's 3,000 calls to, to helpline in one day or one night. That's 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 a bit of an issue. I don't need to be an epidemiologist to, to read that that's an issue. I've got a lot of friends who are police officers and some really close friends, and they hate their job at the moment. And I feel for a lot of the force out there because they're not doing what they, what they signed up to do. And, I mean, even last weekend, I think there was 1,800 phone calls of people, you know, complaining and just people dobbing each other. And it's just really un-Australian. Um, I mean, you don't want people doing the wrong thing. Of course, we don't want people doing the wrong thing. But... Just the way we're dividing community and we're dividing everyone, it's just, it's it's not great. And yeah, if there's a party, of course. Like if someone's having a party and being an idiot and, you know, 50, 60 people, that's a different story. If, if someone's visiting their grandmother and you get dobbed on, like to me, it's just, you got to live with that neighbour for the rest of your life, by the way. So yeah, the sentiment in community right now, I've never seen anything like this. And I know, I know I spent some time up in Queensland over the last uh, 24 months, so it was much different over there. The mentality is a little bit different, more beach bummy, and people, even when they're locked down, people, you're not stopping to surf for surfing, mate, like, at the end of the day, but I've seen a big shift here of just, it's just, there's there's the look of defeat on people's faces, and it's, I see it with my family that have kids, um, the homeschooling's not working, parents aren't trained to be teachers, parents should not have that relationship with their children, the, the, the parent-child relationship is invaluable in life, all of a sudden you now throw in the mix that you need to dictate some teaching to your kid and say good or bad, that's a strained relationship for the parent then, so even if this tomorrow opens back up, there's a strain for 18 months you've given to the child, and no one, how do you factor that into a data analysis on coronavirus? 100%, and as I said, even with you know some of the... Uh uniformed police officers I know that are great mates they can't stand their job at the moment but there's a lot of stuff they're not allowed to talk about and, and obviously we know the suicides rate rates are up but you're not allowed to talk about that so there's a million and one ways to die um, you know how many road accidents are there every year you've got cancer you can't alcohol, you know, cancer yeah. you know drugs drug overdoses there's you know God, a million and one ways to die and this coronavirus probably just one of them as well and we don't want to see anyone die but the reality is mate, you and I are going to die one day so and I'm, I'm on record, like when I'm 70, 80 years old, if it's either me or my five-year-old grandchild, then I'll, I'll die to let them out of the house. That's just yeah. the way I am, right? And I'm the same as you. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, yeah, as I said, there's a lot of people thinking like that. And you know what, around from where we are at Lamaras, there's a you know nursing home around the corner and a lot of those people, uh, they're dying of loneliness now. They're missing family, missing friends, they're missing human interaction. And there's a lot more going on uh, other than this... Uh, coronavirus so it's just i don't know i don't know how we can uh, get our leaders to have some sort of rhetoric where they they start talking a bit more positive give us a get out date uh, and when we're going to get out of this and, and and as for scoma you know i voted him i voted for him and he just needs to grow as we'd say to realize a set of grow a set of balls and you know you know lead from the front he hasn't been the greatest leader that we need and well i've never seen a, a pivot change a guy pivot more over the last 18 months it's like month to month he's got different messaging and it's just it's just like mate who <laughs> who's got your ventriloquist uh, strings like yeah. i just don't know where he's coming or going where are you then you're back then you're not and it's like mate you're, you're the leader at the end of the day and that's why you know this isn't for me a um, you know our, our state government here is labor but this is this isn't immune to all political parties right now with what's going on 100%. Um, I mean, look at new zealand she's just locked them down again and i'm thinking COVID zero it's it ain't gonna happen and stop happen. aiming for COVID zero there's just got to be a balance and a point where we got to learn to live with it and i think a lot of us who are smart enough and who are knowing know that there's a point where with vaccinations and everything else we're, we're nearly at that point but give us give us some sort of clarity when we can so that we can at least you know wake up 
knowing that it's going to be two, three weeks, whatever that date's going to be, so that we can live again and, and look, look forward to the rest of our lives at the moment. There's not much to look forward to. And some of these bums who love sitting at home in their tracksuit pants or their pyjamas, working from home, getting an extra allowance and getting a pay rise, well, you know, they need to have some heart and think about what is actually going on for other people who try to run their own business. We all don't live in fabulous big houses. We all don't have a pool of money. You can't know, all we, do Zoom meetings with a glass of wine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people forget, even though to be, be a really good AFL football or NBA basketball, you've got to work your guts out to get there. It doesn't just happen. You've worked your absolute ass off to be the best basketball or footballer or cricketer, whatever you can be, any sportsman. We've just seen the Olympics and fabulous that Japan was able to go ahead and do what they did. Um, but you don't get to being number one in anything in life if you don't have a decent hard work ethic. And what we're doing with some of these governments is breeding mediocrity. We are breeding a lazy bunch of people who want to share their misery with us. And it's not the way to move forward. And yeah, you know, well, I had my mate that runs a cafe. When this first started, his chef came to him and said, is it job keeper to keep their job or job seeker? Which job keeper, yeah. Whichever one it was, he goes, um, I'm just going to stay home while this virus is going on. You get the payment and then just give me the payment while I'm staying home. And he's like, no, no, no. The payment is for you to keep to keep working. He goes, yeah, but I can get other, other money from the government, the job seeker, which is about the same as what you're paying him. So why would I come to work? He goes, well, when, when, the, when this ends, your job's not going to be here, mate. I'm not going to hold a spot for you. And, and that's exactly what you're saying. And, and that's, a, that's a, probably a smaller number of people, but that's one side of things where it's like, well, I'm getting the same money from the government, I'll just stay home. And it's like, okay, you do that, you're not going to have a job in six months when we open up, but it's been 18 months. Then you've also got, you know, the, the wine, having my wine at 12 midday, I'm, I'm on a Zoom meeting. Mate, labourers can't do their job via Zoom. You can't go and mow lawns via Zoom. You can't go and work on a car via Zoom. And where where's the voices for these people? And unfortunately, they're not people that are generally active in politics. I wasn't my father and my family weren't active in politics. The labourers are just like, give me my cheque. Here's the bullshit tax I have to pay for working my nuts off to support people that don't want to work for the most part. I don't want to hear about politics. And they've, they've played on that, right? So it's like the, the people that you know feel like they're victims will vote and the elites will vote because they've got businesses that are predicated on, on who's in government, right? And how they're going to make an extra quid. So I guess people will ask us and people ask me all the time, well, what's your solution? What's your solution to all this? You're just throwing stones at the government. So for me, I'll, I'll ask for yours next. For me, it would be to, to slight, slowly open up, protect nursing homes at all costs, um, hospitals protect at all costs, so keep the same restrictions we have there, signing in, making sure people aren't going in and out of their restrictions on visitors, people with um, health issues that are of a, underage, so you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, it's at their own risk and be reasonable with, with what you're doing. If you've got two or three health issues that can hinder you, if you, you know, drop you if you get COVID, then you probably shouldn't be going out as much. And then let everyone else get on with it. You know, the, the, the case, this whole case around kids now spreading it, children haven't, haven't really been affected. Maybe another strain comes in the future, but that's, that's my plan. That's what I would do, um, especially with common sense stuff. Like they had Jim's mowing shut in the first lockdown. Like how is that thought through? The dude's mowing grass on acreages, on properties, on in warehouses, not interacting with anyone because you can just send the bill via email and you shut him down. That doesn't come down to protecting you from a virus. That's like, I've got control of you people. This is what you're doing. And if you don't do this, you're going to get fined. So that's what that's what I would do for all the people out there that give me shit on social media. What, do you just want to let it rip? No, I don't want to let it rip and kill granny. But I also don't want to lock down for 108, you know, two, what are we at, 200? We're about to pass London. Congratulations, yeah. Melbourne. We're about to pass London. Two tens of record, right? Um, 
I don't want to. I don't want to do that neither. There has to be something in between that we can we can kind of navigate, right? Hundred percent. I mean, that was the brief last year was originally to protect the vulnerable and the elderly, and it's still got to be about that. And it's just got to become a point where we have a choice again in life. And if you think this thing, and if you're that worried about it, uh, and everyone has a everyone's got to have a different opinion. That's what gives me the ear. It's when people want to shoot you down for your opinion. You've got your opinion. You're allowed one. And opinions are like assholes. We've all got one. And some of these people just don't want you to have your opinion. But mine is that. You know, protect the elderly, protect the vulnerable. If you've got underlying health issues, then you've got to put. Don't want to put yourself in any risk situation. Um, but if you really think this thing's going to kill you, guess what? You can stay home. Exactly there's right. a choice. You can stay home. So, as for the rest of us, there's just got to be the point where we have to open up. We need to get um, back to, and people need it for their mental health. Is the social interaction, playing sport, um, just not being told what to do all day every day we need our democratic rights and our freedoms back and as i said if you really think this thing's going to kill you guess what stay home and i've got i've got mates that have actually said to me which is it's it's confronting they've said at this point i'd rather catch the virus and risk dying from it than being locked in my house 100 i've heard that from a lot more people now and everyone this time and you said it you touched on it i'm seeing people walk around like zombies i'm getting bowed up in the street every other day and i purposely haven't done any media for the last couple of weeks i just you know thought it's other other people's chance or time to talk up and Unfortunately, too many people are scared to talk, whereas I'm not scared to talk. I don't care what people think of me. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. If you don't like me, I couldn't care less. Some people aren't worried about what people think about them, whereas for me, really, if you don't like me, I couldn't care. Probably happy you don't like me because I probably don't like you anyway. So, you know, there's just got to be a point where we have to get some sort of life back because people are drowning at the moment in that um, in sorrow at home as well and just people need to know that... There is a future ahead, and a lot of people aren't seeing that at the moment. Yeah, but we've also got politicians that haven't come from small business. They haven't come from families that are working class. I mean, Andrew's, what is it, art degree? Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, I think it took him six years to do a three-year uh, arts degree. Yeah, you know? so, uh, I mean, I guess we voted for him. Well, I didn't vote. I wasn't voting at that point. I wasn't in the country, but um, people of Victoria did. But you're like, I mean, how do you how do you think he's going to have some sensitivity to those people? You know, it's it's not as easy as just... You'll be right. Just lock down for a couple of months. Everything will be all right. And I think that's the problem. I feel like we need politicians that have 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 ran small businesses, have dealt with people. I mean, the most invaluable part of my life was when I was around my father in his small business and seeing the interactions. Even as a five, six, seven year old, you pick up on nuances and little things. Oh, he pissed that customer off because he didn't. You know, whatever it was, or the customer was rude, so my dad was rude back. Whatever it is, right? But these politicians are just in such a social, you know, bubble of of elites generally. And people trying to, you know, suck up to them to get funding for whatever that they just, they've forgotten about the people that are probably paying the most taxes in the country. It's the middle class. Absolutely. The elites yeah. are going to find a way to, you know, and within the law, they're finding a way to, you know, put some tax money over here and siphon this here so we're not paying as big tax bill. And everyone, you know, it's, it's perfectly legal within the tax code. And then the poor aren't paying much tax. And this isn't a shot at the poor, but the middle class, they're, they're, they're the voiceless ones that are, they basically hold our nation up labor wise. People in mining, people that are, you know, digging trenches, whatever it is, putting all these buildings up. Every other every other corner in Melbourne's got road work. These are the people holding our our, our nation up, and um, I just wonder if there's going to be a time where these people have finally woken up to like, you know what, like there needs to be a change. We've got to ruffle some feathers. Well, you know what, I, I mean, obviously I have a clear dislike for Dan Andrews, more just the way he talks and the way he talks down to everyone and the way he treats female journalists. You know, he's berated Rachel Baxendale, he berated Peter Credlin, copped it from him. I saw him with another one of the girls from Sky News. So I mean Well they're not they're not ones that are in his in his wheelhouse, whether they're 
you know, getting the questions beforehand. There's a few that he likes. It if you if you don't ask him those tough questions, you're all right. But yeah, it's it's noticeable, and the party that he represents was once against that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, it just you, you just know? want to see a bit of compassion and empathy, and you see nothing from um, Martin Foley at all. He just shows no empathy or compassion for us. Same with Dan. Whereas when Molino was fronting the press conferences for a few weeks, there was he just there was a, a bit of care i could actually listen to him and he, he seemed to exude a warmth and some sort of human side that we all warm to with him and you know as for me yes i'm a liberal voter but it, it's at the moment it's not about politics or anything and at least with molino when he was there it gave you some sort of hope and you could see some sort of human side to him and an empathy at the moment again we're not seeing that we're just seeing you know i think we got scolded again today and we got told that we're going to have harsher restrictions how can we have harsher restrictions than we've already got i well, I can go communist Yugoslavia, which I'm very familiar with because my family's migrated from communist Yugoslavia. It might be that, you know, judging upon your postcode, you can only fill up petrol on certain days and um, judging on the number of your house, odds and evens, that's a certain day that you can go to the supermarket. I mean, that's that's the only thing we have left, really. Yeah. Like, you know, you can only take a shit a certain, <laughs> flush the toilet a, a certain number yeah. a day, but it's it's... I saw the same thing and I was like, hold on, did, did you say there'll be, there could be more restrictions? Like, what, what else are you going to do? What no, else? There know? was just a genuine anger in today's press conference again and, and the pointing of the finger and blaming all of us. I mean, God strike me, we've all, the majority of us have been doing the right thing and really trying to do the right thing and we've done it. We're just fatigued. We're tired. We're over it and we want some sort of freedom and normality back and to be given a bit of a, we want a, we want an end date. Some we direction, want, yeah. yeah. Direction and some proper leadership, not just being berated. Berating people is not, you know, great leadership. That was leadership of the 60s and 70s and 80s. That doesn't happen anymore. And But we're seeing it. Unfortunately, we're seeing that today, just this uh, draconian, archaic leadership model, and it doesn't work. Have you seen a Melbourne more divided than we see today? Ever, ever, ever. No, people are turning on each other. I'm, I've noticed a real shift since the last lockdown, though. I've, I was in hospital the other day. I'm, I'm having some treatment, so my chemotherapy on Tuesday... And the nurses, you know, one by one, started coming up, and two of them from Reservoir, we voted Labor. We're never going to vote Labor again. We're being let down, um, and there's just a real shift in the way people are talking. So, as I said, I would have had, would have been six or seven nurses that come over the other day to sort of say, "Keep talking up," um, and a couple of them even said, "They go, we thought you were a dickhead last year when you opened your big mouth," <laughs> but they said, "You know what? We actually stand by what you've, you've stood by what you said, and we support you, and we're starting to understand and see things." So, to start hearing the change in um, mindset from you know people who are labor voters uh, as to that they don't believe that they're being governed the correct way and those very people aren't allowed to speak out that's the other no, issue because a, everyone's scared everyone is really public scared fund, you know funds from government he's, he's got um drip feeding uh, numerous organizations with with labor money and government money and tax money and they've been noted that they can't speak out like you know that there has to be i spoke to ian cook about this when i had him on there has to be someone in the labor party that's like hang on a second like we're, <laughs> we've gone a little bit too far but they know you don't toe that line like the the, yep. the, the last uh was makarkos and a few of the yep. others you well, we've seen lisa nettles the disappeared she's I'm, up in cairns isn't she yeah uh, well she's yeah. recovering but no doubt lisa would have voiced some sort of different opinion because she's but now been banished and call it health or whatever it is but um and then I think Jill Hennessy last year, she wasn't, uh, she wanted to, you know, sort of move aside for family reasons. But yeah, just, uh, it's just interesting to see that they've all been female. And I think a lot of people are just scared to speak up, which is really sad because it's one thing we prided ourselves on here in Australia, you know, having your own opinion and that great Aussie spirit. But at the moment, I think people are just being crushed and smashed for having an opinion and, and wanting to talk up. Yeah. And, and look, most of the people speaking out are people that, have nothing to lose essentially um i know for me i don't need the government for anything i mean I, it can help with 
you know, future plans if I get involved in other different businesses and I'm, I'm involved in a bunch of startups, so it could help down the track, but I don't, I don't care. There's not, nothing you can do to me that's going to affect me. So I'm probably the, the biggest enemy because I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not all in liberal neither. I'm not all in labor. I'm, I'm just kind of like trying to navigate my way to like, holy shit, let's just get back to normal society. Good common sense, so isn't I, it? I cop it hardcore for that. Um, for, at least from the, from the, the labor voters because they think I'm just going it down on stuff. But Gladys the same. Like she's pivoted. Um, in my opinion as well. And then you got Palachuk up in Queensland now that they're mandating some crazy stuff. But it's, it's just, it's just a frustrating time because you know, I, if I went to a polling booth today, I wouldn't even know where to vote for me um you know it'd be sided probably more towards the liberal side but you know they they also need to pick their game up a little bit and and, and give us some sort of hey instead of the, the days of i think going at dan non-stop are probably falling on deaf, deaf ears now i think yeah. it needs to be hey this is our plan if we take over next next year the year after you know we start implementing what we want to do this is our plan this is what it looks like these are the dates we need that you know people need that hope where we're not getting it from either party right now and and that's the more people I talk to. You've never had a time where more people have been involved in politics and actually followed it because they've had to through mm. these daily um, performances that we see on our TV screens from every state. So I'm just wondering if the needle's gonna gonna move, and if it does, you know, where where does it move? Hopefully, it moves. But I mean, you know, I mean, my family moved out from Italy, probably like your family from Yugoslavia, because Australia was the lucky country, and it doesn't feel like that anymore, and it's really sad. And um, we were all in. We would have been all in Labor absolutely. at one point. Yeah, the Dimitina family absolutely were. You know, Labor. that's what's absolutely. crazy to me. Yeah, because Labor stood for a different Labor than what they stand for now, and they really did stand for the worker. But um, should I tell my casual workforce at the moment that the the Labor government cares for them? They feel that they've been completely abandoned. They really do. And you know, as a as an employer, you you take on that burden uh, of trying to make sure that you you, you support them through this. Well, it's not a burden. It's you want to do it. You have that love for your staff and fellow human that you want to help people through this whereas i don't feel that that's being reciprocated the other way from our government at the moment especially for small business we get the grants have been not much at all we really do think we've just been given a bum steer and really not not thought of or cared for which is really sad and then politics is played oh the feds aren't giving us money or vice versa and that's this whole conversation when you try to bring these things up with people is oh mate yeah what about scomo and i'm like yeah i think he's a dropkick too yeah. so what's your point i'm like, with you like yeah. as soon as you criticize and what about scomo yep yeah, don't like him neither where are we at now and then they disappear oh yeah you're just a bit hard on andrews i'm like i'm hard on all of them they all, they all need to grow up and playing politics you know like you know you go into a lockdown where well, the feds won't give us money it's not our fault like stop stop that shit right now we, we all need a you know the coming together and all that great but how, how do we do that how do we implement that and i mean you don't see many celebrities or elites that have gone contra of what's going on like myself and i'm not patting myself on the back whether i'm right or wrong or yourself that are actually not afraid to, to say no this is bullshit and hit it every day this is bullshit i'm going to keep saying that it's bullshit until something happens a lot of people have been doing these psas for the government well i'm going to give people a tip uh, about three months four months into the pandemic last year i got a call to do a psa and it was Mind you, I'm in a beautiful house at this point up in Queensland, sunshine. Can you do a PSA for us? We'll pay ya. I'm not going to say who it was. Um, you know, stay home. We're all in this together, all that bullshit. And I said, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm from the working club. I'm from, I'm from a group of people that cannot do that. They cannot stay home and work from home. And, hey, we're all in this together. Like, I'm a millionaire and I'm, I'm staying in a beautiful house. But, hey, do the right thing, mate, that's, that's earning 60 grand cleaning warehouses or mowing lawns. You stay home. You stay I couldn't do it. I couldn't, no matter how much you paid me, I couldn't do it. So then I start to look, okay, let me see how many people 
I put this message out and I'm like, paid for, paid for, paid for. 100% it is. So people out there that are seeing these messages from these people, that's that's for a check. And do I blame those people? Probably not. They're, they're making a live in the same way, but don't take that as gospel. They're getting paid for that, believe believe it or not. And and that's that's where the tentacles of, of government and bureaucrats and AFL and NRL, and that's where it's navigated because they're getting high-profile people to say, no, nah, mate, you're for the health of everyone you can't go into living and provide food for your kids and that's what that's what breaks my heart about all this yeah i mean at the biggest thing at the moment when you watch what's going on overseas and you can sit there and watch a test match that england's playing uh, india um people are living and there's crowds everywhere and they're learning to live with it they've just learned that we've got to get on with life and there's just got to be a point where people have got to realize we have to get on with life we can't just sit here and stop forever and, and let this thing scare the crap out of you we, and we've got to stop the scaremongering in, in the daily press conferences they've got to stop using the language that is scaring the crap out of kids. It's just wrong. And there's got to be better language they can use. And I, I tried calling them out on that a few weeks ago. Stop the scaremongering, you know, just figure out a different narrative and a different rhetoric that at least gives people a bit of hope rather than just all the doom and gloom. And like, we, But we don't. We saw it again today, the doom and the gloom and harsher restrictions, like banging his fist nearly against, you know. We don't want that. We don't want tantrums, Dan. We want some sort of measured uh, response and, and some sort of hope, not this draconian threats which yeah, is what we get path. every week give us a path give us a path out of this and give us some some boxes to tick along the way bio you know it's it's just amazing now we've got we've got two states on record i don't know if there's any more i think it's queensland and wa that have gone on record that even with zero covid there will be restrictions that's alarming to me oh, that is. is absolutely alarming it's staggering i know it's just um I, I really really hope the afl just says up your ass to uh wa and has the grand final in south australia at least they've been a little bit more easy to deal with and navigate their way through. But I just think that, uh, geez, McGowan makes my skin crawl. Um, and not because he's labour, just some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Like, God, you know, there's just got to be well, I'm gonna a give more positive... We're not getting a zero COVID anytime soon, no, period. Yeah. And and the fact that then they, they want to go zero COVID. We had zero COVID in Australia, but our borders were still wide open. Now, I'm not one for shutting borders, but if you want to go the zero COVID route, and that's your gung-ho, zero COVID or this restrictions, then maybe you say, all right, expats, people overseas, you've got six months to come back and then we're closing for a year. So then at least the people here can live and get on with life. You can't keep punishing your people here for people that are coming from overseas carrying it. Um, I don't blame those people because they're, they're doing what's legal. You don't want the divide and conquer and now, we're, now we see COVID state of origin. It's the Sydney removalist fault. That's why we're in this. Or it's it's people, you got to see outside of that. It's just all that's doing is, is dividing people and, and we're punching on with each other when... You know, it's the guys in the suits on TV that we should be punching on with. 100%. Yeah, you don't want to fight your fellow neighbour. You want to be in this, you know, the whole we're in this together, which we're not. But you just want to want to see a bit more unity and unison within the community again and people, you know, loving thy neighbour and not hating each other and wanting to fight and dob each, dob each other in. It's just un-Australian. Yeah, get that, that sense of community spirit's got to come back. A mate of mine went out for, uh, this was last lockdown, he went out for two walks. So he's got a big a big dog, a big, um, it was a Malamute, I think, and... Um, Husky Malamute, and he also has a child, so he couldn't do it both at once because the dog pulls like crazy. Anyone's had, I had two Huskies, I, I know the feeling, they pull like horses. So he took the um, the baby for a walk, came back, put it down, left it with the missus, then took the dog out, neighbor came out, like, you've had your one walk today. Oh, God. And you're like, you're like, really? Like, that's where we're at? Really? Oh, you know, and, and the, these aren't these aren't one-off cases. This is There's a lot of this shit going on, and back to your point, just to finish this before we get to the nitty-gritty, um, I don't blame the police to an extent. I've got a mate that's a copper, and, and he says if he sees kids on a playground, he he drives by and waves at him. Even today, he's like, "I'm not, I'm not 
doing this. I refuse to do it from my soul. I've got children. I know how important those days are outside climbing things and, and whatever. And he said he won't, but the, he goes, there's, there's, there's fractions that come through the police force, especially with today's era of, of PC and woke and however you want to word that. There's batches of these officers that are trained that way that don't know any better. So they come in and they're like, oh, ticket, oh, ticket. How old are you? 12 years old? Ticket, ticket. Fine, fine, fine. Where there is good police out there, but they can't say anything. Right, they cannot say anything. So, another another funny story I'll give, and I was going to post this on my Instagram. A mate of mine's a security guard. Right, this is before the curfew came in. So this is last weekend. He he, he works at a like a hotel, Aussie hotel motel with with pokies and all that. So he's still they still want him in there um, to make sure that no one comes and breaks in the pokies and all that kind of shit. He's driving home at four a.m. out in the Barone area. He's driving home, lives about 30, 40 minutes away. He gets pulled over. He's in his security uniform, security lapel on his shirt. Um, gets pulled over. Where are you going? He goes, I'm going home from work. They're like, What do you do? He goes, I'm security guard, mate. I got a, he's got a security shirt on. He's got a badge that he carries with him, whatever. And he's a pretty mild mannered guy, like most security guards are. They don't, they don't, they try to not get confrontational for obvious reasons, right? They go, We don't believe you. He goes, What do you want me to do? He goes, He was about two Ks from work. We want you to drive back to work. We want to see if you were rostered on. So he, they forced this guy, they followed him in the car. He drove back. They walk in. Boss goes, yeah, he's rostered on. He just finished, you know, 20 minutes ago. All right, mate, have a good night. See you later. No apology, no nothing. And and you're like, is this where we, where we are as a state where it's like, you, for the privilege on dri- of driving on this road, you need to prove to us you're worthy. And that goes back to now, now he's, into, he's pretty level-headed, but most people now, fuck Victoria Police. I hate them. You know, the, the bullshit. They put me through this, you know, and it affects the other cops that are doing the right thing. And I've had police reach out to me that have actually said, keep going with what you're saying. We totally support it. We just can't, we can't go public. We can't put our voice out there because, you know, the unions and this and that, it's all intertwined. I've had, I've had the same. I've had numerous police officers come to see me and say the same thing, that they want you to talk out because not everyone thinks the same and they, they want to get back to doing the job that they signed up to do. And that's not uh, finding a 12-year-old kid or finding a restaurateur for having, you know, staying open after 8 o'clock or whatever it is. They... They want to go to the pub themselves. They want to go to a restaurant. They want to go out. They don't want to be locked away and, and, and policing uh, in a way that that wasn't what they trained to do. Yeah. Now, touching on that, you've been very critical of, of Dan Andrews and the government for probably the last 18 months, and rightfully so, in my opinion. You might not agree, but I agree with that. Take us take us back to that night of the infamous $10,000 fine. 10900 actually. Um, Plus GST. Yeah. <laughs> We um, oh, we closed at eight o'clock. This as, was on the night of the snap lockdown, correct? Yeah, we got told at four o'clock we had to shut by eight, <laughs> um, obviously. And we had three busy. We had a massive weekend coming ahead with bookings and everything else because we, we we were at a, a level of restriction where we were able to get reasonable numbers back through the venue. Um, and we got told obviously four p.m. You have to close by eight o'clock. Like, yeah, they could have let us go to midnight at least, get a proper night's trade in. But no, so obviously you're ringing up, cancelling people. Well, people were cancelling anyway, but. Um, I was just sitting in the back room with a, a few cousins and a couple of close mates having a, a drink at about, it was about 11 o'clock at night, but we weren't open, we weren't trading. Um, and I had a few of my staff that I called in just that weren't working just to say, listen, um, I've got food packs for you all. Obviously, we don't, I didn't want to throw any of the food in the bin. So all the perishable stuff, I said, come in um, just to make sure I help them survive. So I had a food, you know, sort of food hampers for all these guys. And then um, I said, you know, you can stay around and have a drink because... I, all of them, were, a lot, the ones that were working were still cleaning and uh, cleaning up from the night. Uh, the kitchen was still cleaning the kitchen to make sure we gave it a bit of a deep clean before we shut up shop for a while. And anyway, we, um, yeah, about 11, I think it was just after 11 p.m., the police uh, came 
you know, come came through the venue. No doubt, uh, one of the neighbours, or probably two or two or three of our neighbours, probably would have dobbed us in, saying that we were trading because they would have seen a light or two on. And I have no doubt that that's well. I know for a fact because the police have said it to me that a couple of neighbours complained and said we were open and trading, which we weren't. So yes, I'm going to fight the fine. And and I have a fair bit of empathy and sympathy for what the police have to do. If someone rings and makes that complaint, yeah. they have to act upon it. So. Um, so I, you're I sitting in the main restaurant? So no, I was sitting in one of my little back rooms just with a couple of mates. So, so they couldn't it, even see you from the street? You couldn't see, no. There was just a couple of lights Door was on. locked? Door was locked. Everything was locked. All the lights were off outside. So we, we were shut up shop. We weren't trading. It was just literally myself and, as I said, a couple of close mates and some cousins um, having a couple of drinks. They were there to more, you know, console myself because obviously, you know, you're pretty disappointed to yeah, get locked down again. issues, which yeah. you just spoke about health before, issues, and mental health. Mental and health, and you've got everything else. Then you've got the financial stuff you're going through trying to run a business when open, shut, open one week, close the next, or we not close next. We know every, we know one week lockdown's always going to be at least a minimum of two, if not more, as we're seeing this time. So you know, I knew what was going to happen uh, in terms of how long the lockdown was going to be for, and, you know, they were just basically there to support me and I was, as I was there to support my staff. So yes, there was probably 20 of my staff in there finishing up and having a couple of them having a drink, but there was no customers. We weren't trading and and I've been lumped with a fair fine, as was uh, Chris Lucas. So it's, it's, it's probably a bit disappointing that the two most vocal critics out there are the two that have been nailed. And I haven't heard, I've, I've, I've rung around and spoken to as many restaurateurs, publicans that I know, and uh, we're the only two that I know that got fined that particular night. Do you think it was you were sorted after, or do you think it was just coincidence? I mean, put two and two together, but it yeah. was eleven something. It was did, eleven, did and th- I have no doubt. Yeah, well, we know that that a couple of the neighbours would have rung as well. Who a couple of the neighbours I know have it in for me, or more so because they don't know how to enjoy life and they don't want to see me or anyone else who comes to my venue enjoy their life, which is a really sad existence when you know people just kill joys and have um, they 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 delight on seeing other people being brought down. It's a real sad trait that some people have. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, no doubt we were dobbed in and, and probably because of being so vocal and outspoken, I suppose that gets acted upon as well. No so doubt. that would have been the, the other side of the coin probably politically as well and not appreciated your comments, yeah. I, I assume. Probably, oh, 100%, probably no rusted, on, rusted yep. on Labor and Andrews fans, probably have a pillowcase with his face on it in, the, in their lounge room. Probably, or the Duna cover. The Absolutely. Duna cover, the best Sutton ones. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it made news for obvious reasons because when I saw it, I was like, you got to be fucking shitting me because yeah. I saw the news and I was like, you know, you put two and two together. This guy's been very vocal in the uh, Melbourne community, uh, you know, going against la- the Labor government and Andrews and then all of a sudden he gets a $10,900 fine for, for being open um, after when he wasn't open. And yeah, I mean, just just mind-boggling. But um, yeah, it's, how were the police? Were they... Oh, they were pretty good. I mean, they came around to my next my house the next day and issued me the fine, and they, they had a bit of empathy. And they, you know, obviously, you know, they they had said I had been targeted, and they were saying it was the neighbours who had targeted me. Um, then, you know, I've got a couple of other police officers that I know that have sort of said, "Yeah, your name's been mentioned in circles that you are being targeted from a government level," which is probably pretty disappointing. Well, that doesn't happen, does it? You know, they. Well, you know, it probably happens in Yugoslavia. What doesn't, doesn't happen? Doesn't happen. Nah, not the Andrews. Not 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 the governments in Australia. They wouldn't. Um, they can't do that legally, right? I mean, they they surely wouldn't be uh, targeting people that don't align with their views. No, not in Australia. No, it definitely wouldn't happen. I agree with you. Not at all. Not in, and that's most people. Most people truly believe that the government is gospel. But so was the fine for the fine was for trading. Trading. So. But what would the fine have been if you were just congregating with five friends at that point? 
would know, have been like a thousand dollar one, right? So probably a thousand. So you've at least got a case to lower it to that. Possibly, yeah. Or throw yeah. it out completely, but yeah, the fact yeah. that you weren't trading is yeah. interesting. Well, to technically, me. by the I think the ticket I've got is for trading, and I can tell you now, I wasn't trading. So um, anyway, we'll see where it, where it plays out because obviously I don't want to pay the fine. And like anyway, although in saying that, there's been so much uh, community outpouring of love and support and emotion out there that I've had numerous people. A said they'll pay the fine out of their own pocket, which is you know which is lovely, but. I'm too proud a person. I don't want handouts. I don't mm. want people to feel sorry for me. And I don't want people to, you know, have to pay a fine for me. So I, I, I have said to a lot of customers, you know, thank you, but no thank you. I said, if anything, if you want to support us now, you know, jump on our website, buy a gift voucher. I said, it helps our cash flow now as a business and you get the hospitality when we reopen. So, uh, and a lot of people have been really generous with buying a lot of gift vouchers and everything else. So, um, as I said, it's just nice to have that support and that and that love from people who care and people who I suppose have that compassion and empathy and know what you're going through and, and, and feel for what our industry is going through at the moment and obviously a $10,900 fine isn't ideal and it's not something you can afford when you've been you're running the minus. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're on the 18, minus. 18, 18 months of, of this and it's um, pretty demoralising. Yeah and I probably shouldn't say this but I've got, I've got I know a few people that run you know not nightclubs, but bars and, and restaurants slash bars. And um, when the capacity limits were in, they were just like, where we're not, we're going over. And, and because, say it was 25%, they knew that that extra 75% bar tab would well and truly cover the fine. So people were like, you know what? Yeah. I, I need to pay my employees. And they're like, if we get a fine on that night, I'm still going to trade open for the rest of that night with whatever capacity until the cops throw them out. I'm going to pay you, write you a check for 10K but they're still in the positive overall. Um, yeah. And you shouldn't contone that in what's going on, but that's what it's come to. People are like, I need to support, you know, my three waitresses here who have young babies and kids in school. And it's the same old story that now people are unfortunately doing stuff that's really illegal because they've got no other choice. And we've seen it. This I saw some, um, some numbers around, I guess they're, you know, a good old communist government here in Victoria they track movements obviously through CityLink and everything going on, and it's been it's been stated that this is the most movement they've ever seen in a lockdown. Definitely, um, there's been a lot more traffic on the road, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to walk. Well, this morning I went for a walk around the Albert Park Lake, and it was there wasn't many people there, so um, maybe maybe people are just scared enough, or been or just worn out enough with uh, having Dan, you know, berate us every day at a press conference that that they're going to stay home more, but same time we've done it we've done it for 18 months and I think we're over it and people want some sort of democratic rights and some sort of freedoms back and I think we smart enough to know as I said before if you think this thing's going to kill you stay home if you don't then you know get well, out yeah decisions like an adult but I, I think the the positive in that if there is one I don't condone breaking the law and whatever um, unless it's something stupid like going on a playground then I condone cutting the ribbons off but um, is that you've got people like you and I who are like, as soon as there's a sniff of something that's hypocritical, we'll, we'll voice up and just go gung-ho. You've got people that are the other side, like the rusted on you know, political party sides that are like, nah, this government's always right. It's the people in the middle that, t that move the needle. And I think what these numbers show me is that start the table, the tide, it's starting to turn where people are like, you know what, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I, don't, I block out this shit usually, but I'm going about my business. Once those people start doing that in mass, there has to be some changes made because you can't you can't find you know two million Victorians and that's that's what I'm starting to see now and I'm, you know it's come to that unfortunately it's come to a point where 
Joe Blow's going to have to risk getting a fine and then his friends and his family and everyone's just going to start doing that all together. And we're seeing, we're seeing it with that data. It was, I can't remember the website, but it's, it was in the papers that, that the movement around they're showing. And that's then something that Andrews brings to a press conference to, yeah. you know, abuse us about that. It's, it's our fault. Once again, it's not, it's not the hotel quarantine that I bungled and, and having a uh, Australian record high in, um, in deaths. It's, uh, it's, it's all your fault. That's it. I think we're over being berated too and over being talked to like little children. There's just a point where, you know, we need to be treated a bit more like adults and humans rather than just... Uh, Voters. Yeah, correct. Anyway, I mean, this was good, I think. Um, it's just good to get... It's good to vent, if not anything. Yep. Um, but I think people will appreciate this um, for what it's worth. And I guess, is there anything else? Do you want to promote any of your businesses? Oh. Shout outs to anyone? Anything else you want to talk about while, while we've got you? Uh, just, uh, I'd love to be able to go to the finals to watch the Bulldogs this year. I think your Bombers are probably going to um, feature in September and I think they can go a long way. Probably the only other thing is just, uh, there's probably a few of us you know, behind the scenes trying to do what we can. I'm on, it, uh, on the board of Change Victoria, so we're a not-for-profit organisation. We're bipartisan, but if anyone ever wants to join up as a Change Victoria member, um, that'd be you know really appreciated. We're, we're just trying to um, promote a smaller government, smaller... and be, we're very much pro-business and pro-people uh, being employed. So, you know, if we can get people on board with Change Victoria, it'd be lovely. Um, then there's, you know, uh, you know, out there at the moment, there's a Not Above the Law campaign that's been run. Um, obviously, you know, WorkSafe needs to investigate what's happened with the hotel quarantine and do it properly last year. And I think that was, wasn't done, hasn't been done properly. They just couldn't recall, mate. They had a, they had a memory slip. It was just hard to recall what happened a couple of months ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe they'll... Remember, this time around. Hopefully. Uh, there's <laughs> another little website if anyone wants to check it out as well. is www.notabovethelaw.com.au. So that's worthwhile having a little look at that if anyone gets a chance. But hopefully we can, uh, you know, in the next, at least get some sort of positive news that we can get back to enjoying a bit of normality and, and some sort of life and some sort of freedom soon. I mean, as I said, you know, you've got September coming up, footy finals, and I'd love to go to watch the Bulldogs play, but it ain't going to happen here in Victoria, unfortunately. So, uh, you know. As I said, every little thing you look forward to, whether it's, you know, if you're a horse enthusiast, if you want to go to watch the horse races, you can't do that, you know. I didn't, we didn't get to go watch one NBL game this year, unfortunately. Um, and our mates with Dean Vickerman and my daughter and his daughter are very good friends. So, you know, we didn't really get to go watch Melbourne United and they had a fabulous year. So just we just want to get some of those little... Um, Things you work for to enjoy. Enjoy, you know, yeah. The, the, it's, it's always funny too that lockdowns are always start right before a weekend as well, oh, right? You know, tell so me about it. Yeah, exactly. Every it's time. one of those things you just need to get back to enjoying things and it's and enjoying our life and have something to look forward to and not just, you know, I think people are going around the bend, the four walls at home. It just, um, I think everyone's finding the same thing. Their house has just shrunk in a bit and, you know, people are climbing up walls and starting to go stupid. So, uh, you know, and we just got to give our kids, we've got to give our kids some sort of hope and something to look forward to. As I said, I've got the three teenagers that at the moment are pretty, pretty shitty with what's going on and pretty shitty with life and um, the fact that they've missed you know their basketball season footy season netball season again they're missing out in vital schooling and you know you, you feel for them oh no doubt and, and that's the thing with I guess just with the kids it's just you know getting them back to normality um, when you look at this is one thing I'd leave for the people out there when these governments come out and say we're lifting restrictions don't celebrate it because a lot of times the restrictions aren't lifted. The last time they lifted restrictions here in Melbourne, I saw people say, yeah, lockdown's over. Okay, can you go visit a friend? No, we can't visit friends yet. Can you visit your grandma that's sick? No, not yet, not yet. We're just, at least we've got some, we can go to cafes and restaurants. So 
hold them to account whenever they whenever they say oh we're easing restrictions don't celebrate it like it's an accomplishment they've trained us almost psychologically to think that hey we're giving you this little breadcrumb celebrate it or you're not going to get it back don't still keep pushing back they still need to be held accountable because that's not you know that's not freedom i'm not saying that it should be click your fingers and it's back to pre-pandemic but they should not be commended or celebrated for saying oh you can leave your house now for 10 kilometers that's not that's bullshit and they and they, they they're selling a lot of people with this i've got family members it's oh lockdown's over it's like you still can't do anything yeah, that's it people forget don't they yeah. they do they forget what we had don't ever forget what we had previous and that's a frustrating thing that you try to educate people on just just make sure that um you know you, you you don't forget what is the norm don't this covid normal shit and all this that's not normal and and from five kilometers to ten and Oh, you can visit one friend. How about Sydney? You got to register your your sexual partner with the government God. for your bubble in the single bubble. You got to register your sexual partner with the fucking government, mate. Like, <laughs> it's un, it's just unheard of. And now that's a that's 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 a liberal. That's a that's Gladys. That's oh, so. God. If you think this is a liberal labor rant for me, it's not. Like, where where are we living that that's normal? But we can go on for hours. You know, Paul Paul Dimitina, I thank you for coming on. I think a lot of people appreciate that you're battling for small business and battling for the hospitality industry specifically people can feel your pain and um i guess what's your final message for everyone out there listening i suppose it'd just be great if people could talk up and, and not be afraid to voice your opinion and stop worrying about what someone else thinks or a danbot or someone that's going to attack you which as i said a lot of the time it's fabricated i think you know you've got to be not afraid to express your opinion and and, and just be yourself so uh hopefully we can all bandy together and become one unified state again and people trying to move in the right direction and not want to dob each other in and not you know let's live the great australian life again and that was always supporting your mate so celebrating someone else's success you know people want to try and bring people down now and celebrate someone's failures that's not australian that's not a good way to live i think people just need to look in the mirror and you know as i said let's just get back to some great core values and enjoy friends company enjoy your family and celebrate someone's success so uh anyway Andrew, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks, and great to meet you. And I've admired your career over the years too. Absolute Australian superstar. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Thanks, mate. So just wrapping up that interview with Paul Dimitina, I hope it was useful. Um, we did throw some stones, but um, I think it was pretty pretty fair um, when you think about everything that's going on, especially here in Victoria. For listeners that aren't in Victoria, I, I uh, would assume that you have similar sentiments in other states, and it just goes to show um, how much it affects people uh, for numerous reasons. And we just hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel here in Victoria um, and Australia. If we can one day get back to to uh, one whole uh, whole country, whole nation, um, it would be it would be nice to see that Australia one day. I don't I don't think we'll see it in the immediate future with the way things are going, but. I did provide and we did provide some of our thoughts around what we would do differently and what we wouldn't do. So for all the people out there that, uh, you know, always ask, well, what's your solution? We, we hopefully you've uh, got a feel for where I stand and where Paul stands. So it was, um, it was, it was just good to, to get that out in the open, if not even both of us vent on behalf of many small business owners and people out there. So hope you enjoyed the interview doing more and more, random type interviews with different people from different walks of life that's what we want in the in conversation series so i appreciate if you share this podcast around at rogue bogues on social media instagram facebook twitter give us a shout out on all those platforms we're on all good podcast um, hosting sites and platforms so 
share with your friends and family the message needs to get out stay positive throughout all of this bullshit that's going on right now hold your councillors your premiers and your prime minister to account every chance you get even if they lift restrictions the restrictions still aren't lifted hold them accountable do your best have a great day or a great night take it easy